Hi, and welcome to Swap People. I'm Sunny. I'm Scooter. And we're starting this podcast because we're, we have this long-standing tradition of trading media. I'm not a big movie person, and Scooter's not much of a reader, but I love smutty romance, and Scooter loves movies more than anything. I don't know about more than anything. I love you more than anything. Oh, okay, we're stopping that. Okay, we're not stopping it. <laughs> we can edit. We'll figure out how, we'll learn how to edit. We've never podcasted before, but I'm sure with enough gumption, gumption? We, could, we could edit. Gumption? The first, Sonny, the first rule of editing is you've got to have gumption. And I think if you've got gumption, you can edit. Okay. Mark Twain said that. <laughs> then you know it's true. Infamous podcaster Mark Twain. So, the purpose of this podcast is sort of for us to share that enjoyment of swapping stories and just kind of playing with stuff. And I, how did it start? What was the first? What were the first ones we did? Uh, the first ones we ever formally did it with was Rise of the Illyrie because just to take a step back generally I don't really read books all that much and so a lot of times Sunny would read something and be like I think you'd really enjoy this I want to talk to you about it and she'd try to explain the plots to me and you know if you've ever had someone try to explain like a sci-fi or romance plot to you and you've never read it it's it can be tough to grasp and so it was sort of during the lockdown I was like, well, I could try to read some stuff. And as encouragement, you were like, well, for every book in the series you read, I'll watch one movie that you just want me to watch. And it was sort of a good motivation for me because I think you could be kind of picky about movies and you're not always in the mood for them. So if you were just bought in on like, all right, I will sit down and watch a movie that you pick. That's like a great opportunity for me because I can just subject you to whatever I want you to. And I try, I try to be responsible with that. You know, that gift that's given to me. I don't think in the of the handful of movies I've shown you through this medium, I've shown you every, anything you really hated, but... No, I don't think you've shown me anything I've hated. We sort of did this informally. I think maybe the first thing that we did informally was you had me watch Misfits. Informal, yes. But this, but just going back to like, oh, we're two people who like each other even before we were dating... And just, oh, I think you should watch this, you should like this. And, like, Misfits, I remember, yeah, it was the first thing I was like, you have to watch this. Quality TV streams on Hulu, if it's still streaming on there. Highly recommend. It is bizarre. It's good, but that's, you know, I think we are millennials, and millennials sort of communicate through media. Fandom, if you will, although I don't like the term fandom, but... Why don't you like the term fandom? I think it has tonal implications that I don't like. Like, I think when you say fandom, it speaks of a certain kind of fan that I don't particularly consider myself to be like that. You're not writing, you're not writing fan fiction? It's beyond just fan fiction. I don't have a problem with fan fiction. I mean, like, the kind of people who go online and 
defend or criticize a piece of art based on how closely it hues to what they expect or want from their media rather than trying to enjoy or take in a piece of art and you know complimenting or criticizing a piece of art for it being a piece of art I think that's fair I think that's fair we have a a problem accepting art as it is in favor of how we expect it to be I guess Yes, well, I, that's, I mean, that's really just my issue with the term fandom, is that you, I don't, I, I try not to be a person who consumes media and is like, oh, I didn't like that movie because I, I read the comic book, and the comic book goes like this, and it's too different. Yeah, let's see, what all have you read for me? You've done A Court of Thorns and Roses, and Throne of Glass, mm-hmm. and I think it was maybe during Throne of Glass that we sort of made the agreement that we trade the first in a series and if you don't like it we don't have to keep going and trading on that because it, it kind of got unwieldy between rise of the Illyrie, which really i i feel i have i threw you into the deep end on that one <laughs> yeah, that one's so, got some weird stuff in it uh if y'all are not down with pseudo cannibalism we or furry stuff maybe not on that one with the with the stuff we initially did it was something more like we would agree to start something that the other one... So I would read the first book in a series, and I would get Sonny to watch... I could either trade that for a movie, or get Sonny to watch, like, a few episodes of a TV show and see if she wanted to stick with it. And so, like, I think early on, we did the the Sarah J. Moss books, because they were the kind of thing I liked anyway, and they were available on audiobook. And, and I already owned all the audiobooks. And one, the reason I think Rise of the Illyria was different was that they did there weren't audiobooks. And I'm I like to I like to play video games. So it's like my pastime. So I will often listen to a podcast or, you know, when we started with this doing an audiobook while I played. And so it was sort of a big commitment to have a book I would sit down and read because you can't really do anything else while you're sitting and reading. And I'm a I'm a multitasker when it comes to relaxation. Um, so that was the first one where it was like I will watch a movie per book and even if you get hooked and finished all Rise of the Lyrics, what, 12, 13 books? Something like that. That was, that's an epic series. Yeah, and you know that that was something that was more like I could really rack up some movies that you owed me if I went through that whole series. Whereas the Sarah J. Maas stuff, it was like Try Throne of Glass, and then I'll try. I think for Throne of Glass, I had you watch like the first season of Bojack Horseman. Oh yeah. And you ended up watching the first two seasons, and it just kind of ends on a bummer note, and we just decided not to continue with that, which I get. But like, that was a, a situation where, from my end, you know, I listened to Throne of Glass and I liked it, so I listened to the rest of the series because I wanted to know what happens next. <laughs> how we get you yes <laughs> which uh, to be fair I'm, you know from an enrichment standpoint I probably should read more books you I would you know unquestionably say you watch more movies than I read books so I think it's only fair that like you know if I like a book I should be feel encouraged to keep reading it on my own without having to continue to make the trades but 
um, you know, any opportunity I can get to sit you down and make you watch something weird. 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 <laughs> uh, so, I think what we're going to do going forward is each month we'll swap a book and a piece of media, whether it's film or a TV series. Uh, we're going to swap them. Usually I'll be the one suggesting the books. Scooter will be suggesting what we watch. And then we're going to try to put out two podcasts a month. And in doing that, one will be for the book. The, the later one will be for the book. And the earlier one will be for the movie to give y'all time to read along if you feel like it. So as an example, this month, if we figure out how to record and post a podcast, this will be available for people to listen to, I believe we decided June 25th. June 25th, yes. And then going forward, on the 10th of every month, you know, at the end of this episode, we'll let you know what movie and book we're going to be doing. And then on the 10th of July, we will do an episode on the movie we're covering. And on the 25th of July, we'll do the books. That means at the end of the month, when you get your two recommendations, it'll give you basically two weeks to watch the movie and a whole month to read the book, if you wanted to follow along with us. Um, I think what we're going to do when we talk about it is... We're going to have a little short bit at the front where we just discuss general stuff and then we'll let you know when spoilers are going to come and we're going to discuss everything about them you know, as much as we're, we're wanting to discuss. So if you don't want to watch the things beforehand, I think we'll mostly cover what it's about. But, you know. Yeah, you don't want to ruin your, your twist endings here. So I will definitely want to let you know about those things. I think we are trying to... Enjoy our discussions, the normal discussions we would have after we share a bit of, of a book. Uh, but what we would like to do is is make sure that we're not ruining it for anyone else. Uh, this month, I'm going to have Scooter read uh, Fourth Wing. I have not yet finished Fourth Wing. I just started it today. Uh, it's about people having sexual relations with dragons, correct? I have not gotten to that part. I don't believe so. I believe they have sexual relations with other people. I'm going to be honest here. I'm suggesting this book because it is everywhere right now. And several people have told me it's good. And our good friend Katie uh, has been <laughs> sending me endless messages and TikToks about this book and about how good this book is. So we're going to try it. Uh, it seems like the sort of thing that's kind of in your wheelhouse. It's it's a Dragon Rider Academy type book. And I know in the past you have liked some Academy style books. Uh, specifically, I happen to know Scooter is a super fan for Zodiac Academy. The man uh, can't quit. <laughs> you say that. I, I have quit because the last book in the series is not out yet. So I have only read up through six, because <laughs> seven, and, seven and eight are quite long and quite dark, so I've been told. Well, quite long, I know for a fact, I have been told they're quite dark. So I'm not going to jump into those until I know that I can carry through and, and finish the series. 
Yeah, I think you're farther along in Zodiac Academy than I am, even though I'm the one that got you started on them. Uh, you've gotten real into those. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're looking up Digimon the movie on your phone. Are we changing our picks? Yes, we're changing our picks. I realized... <laughs> I don't know what made me think of this, but it popped in my head, and I thought, that's... So, I will not reveal the other movie, because it may be one we cover in the future, but... I, I'm making a change right now, right here. It's a surprise. Here, speaking of twists, it's a surprise twist for you, listener. <laughs> the movie I'm going to choose is Digimon, the animated movie, and it's because it's like one of my top ten movies that always makes me cry. Okay. And I love it, and it's very sweet. I think Sunny will like it, and also I think it's a little more on theme with you know a Dragon Riders type thing. You know, it's people paired with some sort of monster companion. Okay. We will not be consistently doing themes because that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> no, our intention is not to pair them up as if they're themed, but this is a movie that I would pick for this format regardless of theme, and I think it just happens to line up in a way that I, I can't resist picking it first. Okay. I have never seen any Digimon property. You don't need to for this. Okay. You can you can kind of get it, and I'm I'm the kind of husband who will probably through the whole thing elbow you and say, "Oh, that's this character, and this is this Digimon, <laughs> and all this," and, and, and you'll enjoy it. I say you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy the movie. You probably won't enjoy as much me elbowing you constantly and telling you who everyone is. <laughs> it is unlikely I will enjoy that. <laughs> you never know, though. I'm extremely charming. <laughs> so. Okay, so Digimon the movie and Fourth Wing, that'll be, what, July 25th? Is that what we said? July 10th will be Digimon the movie, and then July 25th will be Fourth Wing. Okay. So, let's see. What else have you read? Because I'm trying to think... I'm trying to give a little background on sort of what our, our, our reading and watching interests are here. Uh, the well, ones that we have shared and liked together. Here's, well, here's a, here's a good exercise. exercise. Since I, I, I'm sort of the movie person. You're sort of the book person. Why don't we flip it and I will explain sort of the kind of books I liked mm -hmm. before you and the kind of books you have gotten me into. And I will say as a kid, I was very much... Like, I liked fantasy stuff and I liked sort of action-y sci-fi stuff. Very much, you know, boy books, if you will. Um my favorite like series of all time as a kid was the red wall series i've read pretty much all of them uh and it was kind of things like that but i was not i'm not really much of a reader for enjoyment but when sunny and i got together and i started reading the things she would recommend a, a lot of what i was brought in on was like romance stuff but it, it tended to be romance with a bit of a sci-fi twist it, for the most part. So the Sarah J. Mosses were pretty early on. Um, Rise of the Illyrians. Rise of the Illyrians. Although Rise of the Illyrians sort of came later. I was already in on stuff with you. So the, the Mariana Zapata books were the, uh, the big thing because those were... We love a Zapata. Super digestible. <laughs> very good audiobooks. They go down smooth. They're not like too smutty. They're normally very slow build and with a little smut. It's perfect for me. I'm a, I'm a sweet little vanilla boy. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the Labrador. So the Zapata books were like, I think probably the big, the main 
entry, and then you got me in on like the Sarah J. Moss stuff because it was kind of something that was already in my wheelhouse plus P and V action. <laughs> and then P and V. Rise of the Illyria. Had we not been in lockdown for COVID, where we had tons of free time because we no longer had a commute, we were working from home, everything was just sort of moving slower, we had so much more time in our day. I don't know that I ever would have read them, but we would have these days where, you know, we'd get done with work and, like I said, you know, no commute, you know, we'd get done at five, we'd just be done. You have the whole rest of the day yourself. And we would just kind of sit in bed together and read the books and, like, she would be like three books ahead of me and I would be reading behind her and sort of commenting on the, I just got to this part here so I feel about it. And that sort of became a fun thing because it was the first time in so long that I had just sat and read something. I read them on a, on a spare Kindle that we had and it was a lovely time. And I remember making a joke out of a what seemed to me to be a minor character, a very underutilized character named... Wait, wait, wait. Sp- Potentially a spoiler. I don't know what he's about to say. I had a sort of obsession with a very what I thought was an underutilized character named Razor, and I thought it was <laughs> a funny that his his name was Razor. It was very I don't want to say edge lordy, but it was very like his name's Razor. He's a cool guy, and I, so that was basically <laughs> the gist of my jokes. Was that like there was all this you know romance, the drama, the main plot and stuff, and I would basically be like I just got to this part. And I would explain it all through the lens of what Razor was doing. And it sort of became a bit. And then, little did I know, like in the eighth book of that series, Razor becomes a main character. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Razor's horse's name? I do not. It's been a while. I'm probably going to revisit those books when the audiobooks come out. The first one's out. But Cookie, because he's colored like a cookie. Pretty darn cute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit to that's pretty darn cute. Uh, speaking of this, of, of animals, cute animals, things like that, we are recording from our home. We do have five dogs and a bird. Uh, we actually have a whole whole menagerie. It's pronounced Boyd. <laughs> Stop it. We got a we got a Boyd. <laughs> Stop it, you weirdo. <laughs> So we have a we have a bird, and we have a whole we have a whole menagerie of pets. That's just sort of our thing. Um, we have elected to let them just be out while we do this. So if you hear some barking, well, sorry, they live here. I refuse to apologize for animals. Deal with it. Well, so I explained my relationship with books, Sonny. Why don't you explain your relationship with movies? What kind of movies did you like before me? And what movies have I introduced you to that you're glad? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I actually did like BoJack Horseman. But um, I tend to like Disney movies. I'm not a Disney adult. I haven't gone down that path. But I don't know. I like to be small and cozy and enjoy just a... Just a an uplifting, wholesome movie. My favorites, Lilo and Stitch. I love a rom-com. I'm, I'm a sucker for a rom-com, obviously, given my reading choices. But uh, there's something there's something cute about a rom-com. I like comedies. I will watch the trashiest dramas on TV. Uh, if 
you're a millennial, you remember when Gossip Girl was just coming out? Oh, I was super into Gossip Girl. Um, since reading Scooter, I've had... I've seen a lot more action movies. I have an appreciation for The Fast and the Furious. Um, I liked the Jackass movies whenever I was in high school, but I didn't really fully appreciate them until I was older and until we had started watching them together. Um, so those are, those are most of them. You know, we watched, I don't think this was a trade. I think this was just something we watched together, but the menu was really good and I usually cannot do horror. So there, that's one thing we will, we will put out there is it is unlikely that you're going to hear much horror on this podcast. If you do, what you'll hear is sort of, um, camp or, or fun, just real light stuff. I think around the spooky season every year, though, I may try to get Sonny to watch some light horror, like stuff that's maybe not too scary, but is culturally relevant enough that it may be worth dealing with the little bit of scary it is. Like, we had discussed maybe the Jordan Peele movies, um, which are not, like, too terrifying, although... Uh, not to reveal too much about ourselves, we do live in a rural area, so nope may be a little too scary now. I cannot be afraid of the horses. Speaking of movies I've introduced you to and you're grateful, for someone who likes a cozy Disney movie, <laughs> and without... I know what you're going to say. You know, without revealing <laughs> too much about, again, backgrounds, Sunny French cooking is very important to Sonny's family, and at one point, owned pet rats, uh, had never seen Ratatouille, despite it being, I think, a flawless movie. I felt there were health code violations, and I was not really they, down to watch there them. There was an entire adorable scene where they washed their hands, and they washed themselves in like a little <laughs> dishwasher, and it was cute, and you know it. <laughs> it was cute. Rats are not dirty, and these were clean rats that had washed themselves. These were street rats, but I will concede what you, it was what a what cute... What are you, the villain from Aladdin? <laughs> you got an objection to street rats? I will concede it was cute. Someone, was someone needs to funny. stay one step ahead of the bread line. <sighs> one jump ahead of the bread line. It's been a while since I've seen Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still do watch. We still watch some cute stuff. I will put on some cute stuff if I need a comfort watch. And he'll watch horror when I'm not around. I'll watch horror oftentimes if I'm, like, I need to focus on something because horror is... Uh, if I watch it during the day, and I'll have it on while I'm trying to focus on like a, a, a like some work type stuff, because it's spooky and it'll sort of keep me alert. While I don't also I'm, I have something I can look away from if it's too scary. <laughs> you know what we both bonded over that we liked very much and have kind of lost the shine for us in some ways uh, because of its creator is Buffy. Buffy and Angel. Early on, you and I really enjoyed that. I agree. Yeah, I, I had never watched it growing up, and I watched it for the first time in college because of you. And I watched Buffy and Angel basically concurrently. I, I found like a... Um, a watch order thing? Yeah, essentially just like a, hey, here's how they aired. So, you know, you, you do Buffy up until Angel starts, and then you alternate episodes, and then, you know, I had a thing that looked... 
a list that sort of warned me of like, hey, this was like a double episode of Angels, so like you're gonna do Buffy, two episodes of Angel, then back to Buffy. And I really liked them. Not as much Angel, um, but I liked Buffy. And I think of all of Joss Whedon's stuff, Buffy is the thing that I think holds up despite him and despite, you know, what we know about the people who worked on that show. But, like, I mean, the ladies really brought it. Like, I don't think anyone's ever carried a vehicle more than Sarah Michelle Gellar put that show on her back. Yeah, she was great. It is tragic, right? It's, you know, I have I have watched it. I have gone back and watched it since then. Even, uh, not super recently, but I think over the pandemic, you know, after we sort of started learning the worst about Joss Whedon, I think I have watched some of it since then. And I, I will say, like, I, it does, I think, hold up. And I think it holds up, like I said, sort of despite itself. I think the show wants you to... Th- we're going to get into a whole Buffy tangent here, but that's what podcasts are about, are tangents. You know, the show wants you to think that Xander's a good guy, and he's not. And you can watch the show... He's a Joss Whedon self-insert. You can watch the show knowing <laughs> that Xander's not a good guy, and and I think it's it still totally works, and there's a few moments where it chafes. There's a few moments where the characters, like, acquiesce to his bullshit. <laughs> but for the most part, I think, you know... I think I think it holds up. I would <laughs> I would stand by Buffy. Like I'm not necessarily encouraging anyone to go out and watch it. I don't know what kind of residuals people are still getting from that or whatever. But like, it's good. It's good shit. It's good shit. I probably wouldn't watch any of Joss Whedon's other stuff. No, I kind of liked uh, Dollhouse, but I couldn't. Like I didn't stick with it. Well, I could never watch Dollhouse because I'm in a long-standing blood feud with Eliza Dushku. Eliza Dushku is unaware of this. <laughs> she knows what she did. She doesn't know who you are. <laughs> she doesn't need to know who I am as long as she knows what she did. <laughs> so I liked Dollhouse. I liked Angel. Um, I liked... I liked Firefly. I know you didn't like Firefly, and you've kind of brought me around on not really enjoying it. But I did enjoy it the first time. I cannot get into the tangent about Firefly, but it has for many years been my life's goal to convince as many people as possible that no, they did not actually enjoy Firefly. (laughs) He hates Firefly, and he will ruin it for you. So we're just going to move on from that one. Um... Yeah, I think Misfits Buffy. So I was watching a lot of science fiction and fantasy. Because I, outside of romance novels, I actually really enjoy science fiction and fantasy. I just um, tend to go with romance novels because I have to read a lot in my more serious parts of my life. So, Well, and romance is the straight dope, if, you, if I may. Straight dope? Well, famously... Stephen King is a big advocate for, if he has writer's block, he reads romance novels because he says that romance authors are, hands down, like as a genre, the best at giving you the good stuff and nothing but the good stuff. Like, romance novels hit the beats of a good story and the, the sort of bones, the outline of a romance novel are sort of storytelling perfection. And this is coming from Stephen King. I would say I agree. Like, you know, people talk about how it's 
like junk food and stuff, but there is something very satisfying about sitting down with a rom- like a rom-com or a romance novel or something like that, and it's going to hit all of those good parts for you. Yeah, and there are so many. I think we, we sort of look at romance novels in a kind of reductive way in that they're just kind of like, oh, I hate this, I hate this term, but we, we view them as mommy porn. And I think there's I a think lot of nuance. Diff- that's a different thing these days. I want to hear about your videos. Don't put, the, <laughs> don't put that on me. Okay. Just because okay. I'm aware of what that is doesn't mean that's what I'm into. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, moving on. But, like, we, we kind of put it off as, as this kind of silly, frivolous chiclet. And it is a little frivolous, but so is James Patterson. You know, James Patterson, uh, excuse me for yawning, uh, James Patterson has no artistic merit. Unlike, you know, romance novels may be formulaic and often a little bit trashy, but I think romance novels are the novels of the working class. I think it's authors that are working really hard to put out a lot of output to entertain us. I think that's a good thing. The nature of publishing is weirdly interesting in the romance space because a lot of these are self-published but that doesn't mean they're bad quality and i don't think that when the revolution happens and we put people to the guillotine we necessarily are going to go out of our way to go after artists but james patterson isn't an artist and he's on my list any any comments violence jokes depending on how well we learn how to edit what you may have heard has been bleeped and this will be bleeped too but I think James Patterson should be lined up against the wall and shot (laughs) you do not do not get us sued put your disclaimer in there I don't think that anybody should have violence done upon them I think the world would be better if James Patterson were not putting art out into the world and however that needs to happen I endorse it Okay, so we didn't mean to go that hard on our first episode. Um, you speak for yourself. Uh, uh, Scoot- I am, Scooter meant to go that hard. I'm bringing back the shock jock. I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be the Howard Stern of husband and wife enterprises. So help me God, if there's a fart sound effect, I'm gonna be so upset with you. I'm going to get a little soundboard, and every time I say something great, I'm going to hit a little button, and it's going to go, get some, or something like that. <laughs> okay, I see. Um, I was trying to say something about romance novels, and then you went all comrade on me. <laughs> I don't know if the mic picked that up, but I, kiss, I kissed my wife. She's oh, be- she's I think beautiful. this is not an ASMR podcast. Um... No, I was saying something about it. What was I saying? Uh, oh, that I think that they are, they're diverse enough that you can kind of get something sort of interesting and palatable in a wide variety of things. Cause so we talked about Mariana Zapata, just fantastic contemporary romance author, slow burn, everything's really great with her. She does everything from like like sports but also just sort of like small town normal people um so her range is really great although i will say this culty is my all-time favorite we may cover culty at some point because i did have scooter read culty we may come we may have a time 
maybe one month a year where we set aside to do a book and movie we've already read or watched that's not going to be a new introduction mm-hmm. but it'll just be something we really want to talk about yeah i imagine zodiac academy that would be similar so like zodiac academy is pretty f- disparate from what we would talk about with mariana zapata rise of the the Illyrie, if you have not read it um it is strange but good it is like a it's this epic war story that's also reverse harem has aliens well here's here's what i would say about rise of the Illyrie that i I think kind of hits such a good spot is that it is despite being i think quite graphic both sexually and in depictions of violence and action it is not difficult to listen to in the sense that like things tend to always work out like when there are conflicts and when there are low points they tend to be short and it tends to be a lot of the characters you know and love succeeding and a lot of the joy of the books come from their interactions and not necessarily you know a lot of times when you have these sci-fi romance novels and this is something we will talk about when you get into zodiac academy it can sometimes feel like the authors are simply like establishing a group of characters you you quite like and then putting them through rigorous torture <laughs> and that's not rise of the illyria there are tough parts to it but for the most part it's like hey we make a great team, so we're going to succeed when we're together, and it's great, but the interactions are good, and you want to read more of the interactions. You want to see uh, what happens when these two people talk to each other and stuff. I, I would endorse it. I endorse Rise of the Theory. You know, you put down Zodiac Academy in that one, but I happen to know that you are an active participant in the Zodiac Academy subreddit. You were that obsessed. You like the angst. I do. I like the angst. I like the angst, but it's also, you know, learning from being a part of the subreddit and the, the, the Facebook groups for these books and stuff, you know, but the Zodiac Academy fandom, if you want to call it that, is not very chill vibes. They're upset a lot, they're very angry a lot, <laughs> and they're kind of put through the ringer, and like, to some extent, I, I, I get it, I mean, they don't, like, I don't want to get back on my tangent about fandom and stuff, but like... I get why those books are tough and they do have tough there's a lot of stuff to get through that's like oh I really want them to be better and not have this happening to them but it's I, I like the angst I, I do enjoy the angst but I I think I, I hesitate to recommend the angst if you will if that makes sense I think you would recommend those books. Oh, I would certainly recommend Zodiac Academy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if I was going to say, oh, what's a horny, violent action series? I think Rise of the Illyria is probably going to be a much more uh, popcorn experience for the reader than Zodiac Academy. That's fair. I think, for me, Zodiac Academy is difficult because... um we have been married for quite some time, and you learn how to sort of resolve conflict within a relationship after after so many years with someone, and uh, it is frustrating watching the very poor communication and angst and anger when when you're like sitting there going. 
is a very simple solution to this. Just talk to each other and be like slightly vulnerable. It's okay. Um, and in Zodiac Academy, like for me, that's where it gets a little frustrating. Yeah. It's very teen angst in that way, even though they're not really teens. Like they're supposed to be college age kids. But I think. Yeah, I think they're college age kids so that they can have them fuck. <laughs> and it not be a big deal. But it's very. Like it, it plays much more like a high like a boarding school high school than a college and so it has the very much has the teen angst like i'm mad at you so i'm gonna ignore you for three three weeks instead of talking to you about it and like that's this point of conflict yeah um i would agree with you i, I love an academy book uh but and honestly i like some of the other um books by by Susan Valenti and Carolyn Peckham a little bit more. I like the Darkmore Penitentiary books very much. Um, and honestly, I liked um, I liked the Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac books better. You liked those a lot. I like the Ruthless Boys a lot. <laughs> Zodiac is my flavor. I like the flavor of the Zodiac thing. It's hard to say. If I like that series more or less than Ruthless Boys because it's not finished yet. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know. You were... I feel like Ruthless Boys was also one of the early ones that we traded. And I only needed you to do the first one. And you kind of got hooked there. Because you're, you're a bit of a Leon. Well, Ruthless Boys... As I call them, Sexy Fae Boys... Had a, it had the perfect <laughs> balance of ending on a good note that made the story feel complete and giving you a cliffhanger for the next book. So you finish the first one, and it's like, this is a good resolution to this book's plot, but it it was a great, sum, you know, they did very, like, so there's five books in the series, and the first one ends, and you're like, good, that's a good ending to the first book, while also being a good summation of 20% of the overall story and leaving you on a hook of how's this next one going to start? And it's solid. <laughs> Was that the one... So Scooter is not a fan of blood. And Yes, that's the one where I fainted. <laughs> in book four, they have a blood orgy. Well, and he, he had texted me about it, and I sent him a gif that was pretty gory as a joke, not realizing just how faint this the scene had uh, made him. But he was listening to these as an audiobook uh, at work, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I accidentally made him pass out in his cubicle. No, not in my cubicle. In the bathroom. <laughs> I was sitting down to go potty, and it, like when I say passed out, I didn't like pass out and come to twenty minutes later. It was like I my vision went black for a little bit, and then I felt my head bonk against the the little you know foam board wall of the stall. I am so and pop, sorry. And I right back up. It was. Oof. I am so sorry. That's all right. I'll live. <laughs> 
No, but those are those are some of the things that we we have tried. We're going to see. I have heard Fourth Wing is going to be pretty upsetting to us. I've heard that there's a cliffhanger, but I don't know yet. If a big, dumb, beautiful dragon gets hurt, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, I don't think we can handle the uh, the loss of animal life. No, 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 that's too much for me. I feel like Abraxas was definitely your favorite character in the uh, Throne of Glass books. Probably. That, the shapeshifter I liked a lot. Lysandra? Lysandra. I loved Abraxas. Abraxas Abraxas and Manon, I think, were just really good. Abraxas and Manon were great. That's it. That's it. here comes another tangent. That's that's one of the funny things about the Sarah J. Moss thing is that when I think about the things I like about the series, you forget that like oftentimes they're not introduced until book two or three. So like I think Court of Thorns and Roses is really egregious with this, where the first book is so different than the rest of the books. Throne of Glass is as well, but I think Throne of Glass, you know, you're following, you know, roughly the cast of characters that you're going to be following, and some bigger characters definitely get introduced in book three like book one and two are sort of self-contained but for a large part they stick with a lot of the people from book one and two where court of thorns or roses is like basically tosses out everybody from the first book after a certain point but like you know if i were to like tell somebody what the best part of that series is it's all stuff that you probably don't even get introduced to until book three manana braxis lysandra yeah, I think book three is really where that series turns around. Um, which, the conceit of the first book is not bad. So, I, if you haven't read Throne of Glass, the first book is sort of a tournament of assassins to become the king's assassin. Which, on its own, is a good idea. The, but the first the series thing, is not about that. <laughs> I, I love the Throne of Glass series. I think I probably like Throne of Glass more than you do, Sonny. Probably. In the sense of, like, I think you like the series overall, but I have a particular affinity for the first two books and the sixth book, which are... Oh, God. Sort of self-contained, like, mysteries. You love those? Those are my least favorite. Oh, I know. Well, I, here's the thing. I, they're I the, they're do the not least, like K.L. Westfall. They're the least connected to the rest, and yes, they're the most K.L. heavy, but... Ugh. Like, those three are, like... Genuinely solid whodunits set in a world full of magic and demons and witches and fairies and stuff, and like that's good. I I get more whodunits. Romance Rooms, novels. Please. Romance novels are for fantasies. They are for the out there, the things that you don't want. Why would you choose someone lawful good so they, to be a hero in a romance novel? That's so damn boring. Mild spoilers, but like <laughs> Tower of Dawn has that. It has a man who's been crippled being like falling in love with the woman who's going to heal him and save him while also like introducing her to the joys of a gruff man. Like, <laughs> it's everything you could want out of a romance novel. You just don't happen to like K.L. And on top of that, it's got like a spooky, scary, creepy mystery that rules. <laughs> it kicks ass. Nope. I stand by it. My favorite couple from that series... Oh, I don't want to do spoilers. Yeah, that's a bit of a spoiler, because I know who you're going to say, and I think I would probably agree. 
the two couples I enjoy the most, and one is better than the other because one of the couples has a really embarrassing fight that does not make them look good. But okay, go. I'll remind you after because that's that's too much of a spoiler <laughs> for a series that I have a feeling we're going to end up talking about on this on this podcast at some point. We're getting very sidetracked. This episode's I think going longer than we probably intended it to. Yeah, probably a little. But I enjoy okay. talking to you. I enjoy talking to you. Oh my god. This was a good idea. Maybe we should get married. Well, if you love me so much, why don't you marry me? <laughs> okay, so what were you going to say about the two your two favorite couples in the series? Oh, the bo- again, that's a thing where both of them don't like they don't become couples till late and they have a very will they won't they and you would not necessarily when introduce them to them individually think oh they're gonna end up together one of them one of them definitely like once once you know these two people cross paths you're like oh what this if, is a very common trope it's the well, the what, sunshine and the grope trope for sure grump, not grope <laughs> The sunshine and the grope trunk. That is an embarrassing <laughs> faux pas there. Sunshine. <laughs> sunshine and the grump. So, uh. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I agree. With both of those couples that I'm thinking of, they meet and you're like, boom, that's it. They're got it. Now that you've got them in the same room, they're going to end up together. I'm calling it and I'm going to probably enjoy the whole thing. But like... They get introduced separately, and you you do not consider them like oh well this person's gonna meet with this person and fall in love, but then they do. It's but so that's why I would not reveal who they are because it could be a spoiler because you're probably gonna get a good chunk of each of them before they meet. I have a feeling anyone who listens to this is probably familiar with Sarah J. Moss. You know no, what I haven't I, done yet that yeah. we need to do in the series? What? And I think we will have to be like, okay, once we listen to this, because there's no way we're not going to compare across her series. I have not done the Crescent City books. I've done the first one. Uh, and then I was like, oh, it's going to be a real pain in the ass to wait. And so I never got to the second one. And I need to re-listen to the first one and then recommend it to you. So that will be on this list sometime. Well, I, th- let's, you know, when, I think when the whole series is out... I think the last one comes out this year. Is it just going to be a three-year? Yeah, because huh. she's, she's expanding the Court of Thorn and Roses world because they did the Nessian and Cass... Uh, or Nesta and Cassian. i got to stop with these ship names. Uh, but they did that book, uh, Court of Silver Flames. That's the one. Ooh. You never read that one. That one's smuttier than the others. There's yeah, some filthy talk. Some filthy talk. Straight filth. Um, I guess that's something we should probably address. This is not ever going to be a podcast in which you should listen to it with your children unless you would like your children to have a questionable education. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, if I could give a very brief summation that I think will really like establish who we are and the kind of things we talk about is my lovely wife, my beautiful wife who is incredibly intelligent, is a very smart person, very lovely. She famously has a catchphrase whenever she's going to start an activity where she goes, let's fuck some butts and bust some nuts. I do not say that. He says, she says that. It, <laughs> she says it probably like th- thrice a week. I do not say that. Oh my thrice, god. Thrice a week she will get so amped up she'll be like, Alright, it's time. <laughs> it's time for butt fucking and nut busting. Okay. 
So now that we've made it clear, this is not a family-friendly podcast. What we're going to talk about here is going to range. So we might do some young adult books. Probably not that many. We'll probably verge on the side of new adult if we're going to go with with something in that kind of area. Uh, we will also do contemporary romance that's just sort of, like, we will do a lot of Zapatas. When, when Mariana Zapata comes out with a new book, we're probably going to do it because we both love that, uh, love those books. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we will do straight smut. Uh, the only real caveat is we both try to pick things that the other person will like, uh, so I'm not going to pick something that I know Scooter's not going to like. He's probably not going to pick a movie that I, he knows I'm just going to hate. We did discuss doing a hate month movie, a hate month where we we're just like, no, rules are off the table. You get to pick a thing, you know, no consideration. Like even if you're like, oh, they're probably going to hate this, but I need them. I need them to talk to me about it. For that month, I might do Den of Vipers, but then I'd have to finish Den of Vipers. <laughs> <laughs> if that month, I'm going to do Heat. don't understand why you want me to watch heat so bad i don't know <laughs> so you know you know what because and this is going to spoil sort of some other ones we've talked about you had a friend today mentioned to you that um the first fast and the furious movie is a he they said knockoff i would say homage <laughs> to point break and in the same way the very famous, very financially successful Christopher Nolan movie, The Dark Knight, mm. is a one-for-one adaptation of Heat. Is it? Yes. I didn't really like The Dark Knight. <laughs> That's why Heat is going to happen in, a, in, 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 hate, in, in, in hate, hate Month. month. It's going to be Heat Month. I need to figure out mm. what you would hate that I love. I don't think you're going to hate Heat. You don't think so? No, I, I don't think you're going to love it, but I think it's sort of, it's a culturally important movie, and I think it also explains, all right, another tangent time, the films of Michael Mann are one of those things where, like, not a lot of people have seen them, but, like, if you watch action movies and if you watch sci-fi movies, all of those directors, if you were to ask them to name their top five directors that they find as inspirations most of them are going to say michael mann so if you're watching like modern action movies if you're watching modern sci-fi movies if you're watching modern thrillers and crime movies and things like that it's a very good chance that they were extremely influenced by the films of michael mann the most famous of them being heat okay and i think it's sort of a rosetta stone for Probably a lot of the other kinds of movies I'm going to have you watch. And they're not always going to be action movies and stuff, but like... Okay, so what kind of stuff are we we talking? Um, well, like, so like I said, The Dark Knight is pretty much like a one-for-one thing of heat. But like, you know, if we ever cover like Tarantino movies, they are very much, they owe a lot to the films of Michael Mann. If we ever cover like... Um, honestly, any like tense thriller, any like crime type movie a lot of like later Scorsese stuff uh, owes a lot to the films of Michael Mann and, and things like Heat and um also if you know I'll save this for when we do an episode but like modern digital filmmaking the way that f- when people transition from film to digital and the benefits of doing that are like 
they're either based off of things that were done by Michael Mann or things that were done by Ang Lee, which are very two very 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 different filmmakers. But like, I you know, if you spare me fifteen minutes to bore the shit out of you with camera talk. <laughs> on one of these episodes I can tell you about like oh well the reason they do this and the reason that you use digital cameras and stuff like that is because of Michael Mann and the things that you can do with digital that you can't do on film and all that stuff and it's it's minutia like that but it's one of those things where like I think if you see Heat there's probably going to be like a handful of movies after that where I can go oh this scene like you know how it, it kind of felt like Heat right <laughs> okay okay I will not be offering such intellectual discourse about the media that we discuss. You say that now, but you will. You're, we're going to get into romance <laughs> novels, and you're going to talk about, maybe not as much about like writing styles and things like that, but you can go deep on the industry and the romance industry and things like representation. Yeah, there's some drama. There's some drama. And this goes back to the diversity of like what is available in romance in the romance community, and kind of who arbitrates what kind of gets published and where it goes. And since self-publishing is so big in romance novels, you have more freedom to do, frankly, just weird shit. I mean, the whole Omegaverse, uh, which, by the way, I've had to explain what the Omegaverse is uh, to a colleague for work reasons so let me just tell you right now do not google this on your work computer do not google this in public if you do not know what the omegaverse is but so like that is a weird thing um i'm sure if you're a romance novel fan you or really have just been on the internet you're probably familiar with chuck tingle you're probably familiar with all of these kind of strange or different but weirdly erotic topics so we have we have a little bit more freedom in not being taken seriously and i kind of like that um so that's probably about as deep as i'll get on this it'll mostly be you know gossip i agree i think we're i feel like we're approaching a natural conclusion we're running literally out of daylight uh, to reveal a little bit about our, our recording schedule here. Um, and we're also coming up on an hour. I think we talked about kind of shooting for an hour as, as the target of our, our podcast length. But I'm sure we're going to have movies and books that we cannot shut up about. So we'll try not to overstay our welcome uh, so that you will bear with us when we have like a two and a half hour episode when we finally cover Zodiac Academy and I just spent 45 minutes of it screaming while my wife tries to calm me down. <laughs> it will happen. It has happened before. It's going to be a lot of Sunny like right up against the mic and just like trying to be talking soothing. She's going to be covering plot <laughs> points and you're just going to hear a voice buzzing back and forth as I pace behind her like a tiger. Just like, <laughs> oh, then they did this! <laughs> This is accurate. This is we've had some angry rides home where we we have discussed Zodiac Academy and your feelings. Okay, so remember we're doing Fourth Wing and Digimon the animated movie. Digimon the animated movie. Fourth Wing is by Rebecca Yasi. Sure. I may have remembered that incorrectly. I don't know who directed the Digimon movie. I don't know that it's important. All you need to know is it's about love 
and friendship. All right. And it has a bitch in soundtrack. We'll cover that more at the time. <laughs> uh, do you have a like, do you have a sign off in mind, my love, or do you want? I, I have don't. A sign, I have a sign off. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, tell you, me. You're, you're gonna hand the mic over here. We're gonna get a let's get ready for the sign off. So here we go. As always, here's a little something for the ladies. Oh. <laughs> We will not be doing that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs>